Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to episode 28 of the No Shot Clock podcast. I'm Joe Hendrickson of the City of Suburban Hoops Report, and with me as usual, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times. As always, several topics to get to today, Mike, including a couple of um, uh, something we're going to add here pretty much every week, I think, our two takes from the previous week. We're going to talk five teams no one else is talking about. And also a look ahead to a few of the top games on this week's slate. But first, a whole bunch of questions to get through, Mike, that I know uh, that you have. Oh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, as always, for sending them. And uh, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, First one is from Jay Meath, uh, who has not asked a question before, I don't believe. He says, guys, love the podcast. Who are the top five unsigned seniors in the area right now? Pretty quick, Nick Rakosevich obviously is number one. He's a, a 6'11", senior, obviously from St. Joe's. All time age of the way he's playing. Lorenzo Edwards, who I think is vastly underrated and under-recruited of Lake Forest. Mike Smith, the point guard out of Fenwick. Uh, Zion Morgan, who was committed to Valpo, decommitted. Now he's open from Kenwood, a 6'2", 6'3", guard. And then Josh Thomas, a you know physical 6'2 wing, 6'3 wing out of Chicago Simeon. And there's a few other ones that I'll just mentioned that have kind of made a name for themselves lately. Bryce Barnes at Bogan, the point guard. And then Jamal Burton from Morgan Park, who's uh, really had a standout first uh, couple weeks of the season. Yeah, that's uh, and I'm going to do it because I know I'm going to get this question. We have a horrible Big Ten basketball team, Illinois. We have a seven-footer in their state that basically can't be stopped. What's happening? <laughs> well, I mean, I, their scholarship situation, they don't have any. Um, uh, unless, well, they'll have one with their big guy. they got to sort out that Mike Thorne thing if he's coming back or if he's not coming back, and then who knows. But, uh, you know he's a he's a high major, Mike, and and I mean, uh, at what point do they just? And I don't want to hear any more stuff about the, if he's a good kid or a bad kid or whatever. These people go to Duke, and they're supposedly wonderful kids, and then things happen later. I'm not just talking about Okafor, there have been some others, but they go win basketball games with them. You know, right. you know and, and, and and Nick is. I know you don't follow the summer circuit. Nick was bad in June or in the summer circuit, and that's when coaches unfortunately watch. Now I had a great. T- I talked with Nick on Sunday. I'm doing a big piece coming up this week. He really, I, I mean, not getting too much into it. He, I mean, he really, really is a different mentality right now, and, and he's shown it the way he's played on the on the court. I talked to Coach Pingator today. Uh, it, it's just a different kid, and he knows it, and college coaches will soon know it because he is putting – right now, Mike, he's averaging – Coach Pigentor and I are talking 21.5 points per game and 15.5 rebounds a game. So, I mean, this is a kid who has absolutely dominated, and <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see his recruitment. He's convinced, and he, he, he – I mean, he's pretty focused on playing out the year, deciding in March and April, and there'll be a lot of – lot for him to choose from at that time no doubt about it all right um onwards this is from kenya Knowles. it kind of talks a little bit about what we're just talking about good afternoon first time contacting you you guys guys do a good job i want to know what your thoughts are about school ball versus club ball today is much different from my era we had school ball and neighborhood ball of course times were much different then we could go outside and play without worrying about the safety issue today parents have to take their kids to events because it is much too dangerous for them to play in the neighborhood i think there is room for both do you think playing club ball gets the athletes more opportunities to be seen by college coaches? 
the last part of that question, I mean, it's an, it's an obvious answer, yes. I mean, because that's just where it's it's a necessary evil in a lot of people's eyes. But that's where coaches are watching. I mean, the, the, the two evaluation periods in the spring and then the three in the July period are where decisions are made. And that's where they are seen. It is a higher level. It's a different, completely different animal. I like to evaluate both. I think kids get lost sometimes when the AAU season is over. We just talked about Nick Rakosovich. I mean, if you just based it on that, it's really tough to roll the dice if you're a high major. But if you're basing on what he's done with his high school team in a good fit where he's structured and you know he's comfortable, I mean, he's a no-brainer high major. So... And there's other kids that that don't get looks on the AAU team because of who they're with or it's a loaded program or they're the ninth man and the opportunity, they're out of position. Things like that do happen, but they have to play AAU because that's where you are seen. But I think some kids do get lost in the shuffle in AAU. Yeah, I think I had one blue blood school assistant coach tell me last week that the Nike EYBL is such a big deal right now that anybody not involved with that in club basketball is probably going to be out of a job in the next few years. And I think the EYBL has been interesting, that, that Nike League. It's basically, for those who don't know, it's the top teams together. They compete at some set events around. I mean, to me, that makes so much more sense than things that have been going on for the last few years that it's easy to see why that could maybe someday even really hurt high school basketball if the EYBL continues to evolve as it, ha- as it has over the past couple of years. Become like a soccer or volleyball, yeah, other yeah. sports. Yeah, I mean, this is the topic, Mike. Actually, it would be a great topic during the offseason because you could discuss this for uh, quite a while as far as the, the, the pluses and minuses and the good and the bad of, of AAU versus high school basketball. Um, next question. Kevin Swan, good friend of the podcast, saw him out at the uh, Battle of Vincennes on, well, I guess Thursday and Friday. Um, I was impressed with the way Kawan Clements played with such confidence in the first half at the Battle of Vincennes, and it got me thinking about freshmen on varsity squads. Are the high school sweepstakes for hyped eighth graders as sleazy as I imagine it to be? Any, <laughs> any interesting stories on that topic? And who comes to mind for you guys when you think about the best freshmen that made instant impacts on big-time teams over the years? I, I, I mean, can yeah. I can tell a story. My 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 Sharon <laughs> Collins story is pretty hilarious. Uh, I guess it's not super sleazy, but it came down to a number of schools he was considering, and I think Farragut and Crane, and I forget a couple others. But basically, from what I understand, and I never actually asked Sharon this, I should now. Um, he decided whoever showed up first to pick him up for the first day of school, <laughs> that's what high school he was going to go to. And Anthony Longstreet, Longstreet, got there. <laughs> yeah, Longstreet showed up first. <laughs> so there you go. I think it's just funny when I hear uh, the winter and the spring and the summer prior to an eighth grader entering high school. When we talk about this, it's really in the public league mostly. I mean, I, uh, it's private schools a little bit, but uh, just what you where you hear they're down to, like it's a college decision. Uh, I always kind of find that humorous, but. It is what it is, and uh, there are – I don't know if it's – well, if everybody's doing it in the city, I don't know if it's if it's sleazy uh, because it's across the board. But, yeah, it is it is a very hot recruiting scene for the top eighth-grade talent grammar school kids. 
Um, as far as instant impact, Sharon actually comes to mind because he won the city as a freshman, was a key player on that Crane team. More recently, um, Billy Garrett and Marquis Williams were also starters, I believe, on a team that won the city for Morgan Park as freshmen. Um, at the top of my head here, I'm trying to come up with some other... Well, a freshman ready-made player who I just remember seeing for the first time as a freshman and be like, wow. And there's been several of them, but I just, this pops in my head. Corey McGetty, uh, when he was a freshman in high school at Fenwick, I, I was just, is one of those kids where you're like, okay, I think that kid will be an NBA player. And there's not many times you do that with a freshman when you talk about NBA as a certainty, Corey McGetty was one of those guys. Yeah, Okafor was recently. You know, he was pretty much a polished article as a freshman. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's been across. I mean, John Shire as a freshman had a monster year. Yeah. Uh, took him to uh, Peoria. Um, next up, Brian Moran he says, "Big fan of the podcast." The IHSA released their sectional assignments. Which sectional do you and Joe believe will be the most exciting come March? Also, which sleeper school do you believe could win their sectional? Thanks. I got Riverside Brookfield sectional as the toughest. It's just got, I think it's got five, four of four of your top 11 teams, Curie, Kenwood, Young, Riverside Brookfield. They got five in the top 20. And then you got teams that we had high hopes for that have struggled, like Oak Park, River Forest, St. Ignatius. If they get it turned around, a proviso east. That's going to be a highly competitive sectional and, and probably the best in 4A. My team, I always look at 3A because they're so watered down, those sectionals. I'm going to take, a, I think they're 500 maybe. Carmel, uh, a, a team that hasn't won a sectional in 30 years. They're playing at the, I believe, the Ridgewood sectional. Yeah. I like their guards. Chris Duff can score it. Sharif Bailey's a point guard. I think Carmel has a chance uh, to win what is a pretty weak sectional, but uh, a chance to make a little history as it ha- hasn't happened in three decades. Yeah, that would be interesting. That is a re- that's that three A Ridgewood is actually worse than the city two A uh, sectional, which is sort of a strange thing. It's um, we've had a lot of teams drop to two A. Um, we can get into more of this, you know, over the next couple weeks and when we do some playoff previews. But it's definitely a weird 3A and 2A split now. Um, I think the South Suburban sectional is going to be good. Simeon's down there, and anybody can beat anybody in it. We've already seen that in the South Suburbs this year with you know Thornridge pulling some upsets. So I think as far as exciting goes, that one might be pretty wild and exciting because even Simeon could be susceptible you know, in a South Suburban gym to some madness this year. So that one c- can really go either way. Um, as far as a sleeper school that could win their sectional, you know, I think DePaul Prep could win their sectional. It, it, Are they with Orr? Yes. Yeah, I, I look at that one too. I agree. And the thing is, it's at DePaul Prep, so that's going to help. They they improved so much in two weeks or two or three weeks now. I, I saw their first game and I saw them on Saturday. That it was impressive. If they they just don't have any size, but they have that freshman that's six four, six five. If he could start to play a little more, get some rebounding, I think really the sky's the limit for them. They were um, both three A last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two A in a lot of ways is becoming better than three A. It's at least in the or in the city. Uh, goofy stuff. Um, next one. This is a holdover from last week, but I wanted to get to it. Jerry um, Weigel or Weigel. Sorry, I'm bad at pronouncing names. He uh, says, "How do you see West Chicago doing this year?" And uh, you know, West Chicago is one of my teams I picked out in the preseason preview because I was interested in their backcourt, and so far they have lived up to. Um, I would say hype, but 
to be in a team you should notice. You know, they're seven and one. The only loss is a one pointer to Elgin. Now, they haven't exactly lit up the world with, you know, beating top teams. However, Streamwood has beaten some top teams, and they killed them 63-39. Bartlett also has taken down a ranked team, and they beat them 60-47. to So West Chicago with the Bibbs brothers, I think definitely is a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, with West Aurora struggling in the Upstate 8 Valley, you know, I think West Chicago Glenbardies will battle it out for that top spot. Um, and moving on here, we got, uh, oh yes, Rennell Chapman, a couple questions. Um, were people giving their money back after the Battle of Vincennes was postponed last Thursday? A rain check or how was that resolved? Um, I, I believe they got some sort of ticket on the way out and you had to have that to come back in on Friday. Uh, for those who are wondering, if you didn't see, uh, Thursday, a basket got stuck down over the court at Simeon, delayed the game until Friday. Um, they didn't sell any more tickets on Friday. So you had to have had your rain check or stub or whatever it was they gave you on the way out to get back in Friday. And everything was handled really well. There wasn't even any booing. People left in orderly fashion on Thursday, and things were pretty orderly Friday. It was a nice thing to see. Um, Rennell's other question was about Charlie Moore. Wanted to know if it's possible that he can become the all-time CPS scoring leader or state leader and if there are stats for that and where does he stand, you know, I, I haven't looked into that, but I no. think it's not even close. Yeah, it's not yeah. Jamie Brandon in class of 1990, 3,100 points. I think he's the third all time leading scorer in state history. So no, that, that I would I say mean, he's not even the top senior right now. I, I would bet you a lot of money that Mathers Trevian bell is, um, he's been playing since yeah. freshman year. And Charlie's got so many games, though, because of state tournament runs. Yeah, but he's been sharing. That Bell's been scoring 30 a game for that team since freshman year. Um, I don't know about 30. Oh, he is. Oh, trust me. They send me the numbers <laughs> pretty regularly. His numbers are huge. I, I've not seen him play yet, so I'm not uh, saying he's he, like. He can absolutely shoot it. I mean, uh, he, he's a little one-dimensional, but he, he's a top-five shooter in Illinois, yeah. and, and he gets on a roll. He had eight threes and 32 points last year against Simeon. Yeah, he. I mean, he's been the leading scorer on his team for four years. Charlie Moore hasn't been the leading scorer on his team yeah. ever. So I, I think that's pretty clear that he's ahead of him, at least for that. And let's see. Uh, oh, Rennell's next question was about the holiday tournaments. You know, we're going to skip that one because we're going to have a full holiday tournament preview next week. That is going to be um, really all-encompassing. We'll hit a little bit on each of them. So next, uh, final question, Casey Williams. How good do you th- really think Kenwood is this year, and what are their chances in winning city and state? Ooh. I saw Kenwood on Thursday. It was a brutal game. Kenwood and Hyde Park. I went over there because I couldn't, after the Simeon Morgan Park game was canceled, They've got a lot of things to do to fix up if they want to win city or state. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of disappointed in them. I was hoping for a lot more, and it just wasn't there. They missed, what, they were 15 for 29 or something from the free throw line? I mean, that alone is going to stop them from winning city or state. They've got to tighten that up. So many turnovers. You know, How was a point guard play? Not good at all. Zion Morgan scored half their points. He scored, what, 31 of their 50-some. I mean, he had a great game, and he really took over in stretches. I think he had 19 in the second half. Without him, they lose that game. It's it just – I think Charles Harlan coming back will help. You know, he's the transfer from Phillips. 
he's more of a shooter, but he's another guard that can handle the ball. It just it was too wild and too crazy again. They have to play slower. You know, they have to have their intensity, but be able to slow down and play a half court game, even to win the city. You know, you need to be able to do that when you have to. Yeah, just I mean, early signs point to them being behind a few of these city powers, but again, it's really early, and they all got some pieces that are still coming together. Yeah, no, and it was a ragged game. You know, Hyde Park. It, it was hard to slow anything down the way Hyde Park was playing. They they didn't play real well either. So hopefully they can turn the corner and we can see some better stuff out of Kim. Yeah, I, th- I think if not, Zion Morgan and Nick Robinson, the two Division One seniors, play at extremely high level on a consistent basis. They will be able to challenge and compete, uh, but that's that has to happen almost on a nightly basis. And you know that's a good point because when Nick Robinson was on the court, they were such a better team. He was playing a lot of point guard, and he was in foul trouble, so he missed half the game at least. And that was when they were definitely at their worst. So it would help if Nick was on the court the whole game for sure. Um, all right, you want to hit the uh, two takes? Yeah, we're gonna have two, you know two takeaway two our two takes from the previous week, and then you know, kind of quick takes. My first one, I'm going real real quickly back, I, even though I already I should have piped down a little bit in the question because Nick Rakosevich is one of my first. I went out there to St. Joe's Saturday. It's the third time I've seen St. Joe's, and I just have been kind of cautiously waiting to go overboard on Nick Rakosevich because of what I experienced during the summer and spring on the AAU circuit. And I just took away from that. There is no question that this kid is going to be a high major player and a productive high major quality player down the road. Now, I know Mike has always kind of been in the corner, and Mike, you've, you've seen him during high school season. He finished off last year. Really, the second half of the year, he was really good for, for St. Joseph and he had 18-9, and nine, I think, in the state championship game. But I came away just impressed. Forget about the numbers I spoke about earlier. Just how he played in terms of with his teammates, responding to maybe a bad call, uh, coaches' decisions, whatever it might be. He just went out and played. I, I like I said, I talked to Nick earlier on sun, on Sunday, and I, I told him that it was great to just see you going out and playing and not worrying. Uh, and he said all the right things, and which you'll you'll read in a story later this week. But that's my one one of my two takeaways. One of my two takes from this week. And you're right; he's he's a bona fide player of the year uh, type candidate. You know, right now it's probably him and Charlie Moore, one and two, and. And that was really the one thing I took away from from this past week. Uh, my first one, kind of weird, <laughs> I guess. But I was sitting there at Orr watching it, and I realized that this was the most electrifying player I'd seen this season. I think that Raekwon Drake, of Orr, the sophomore, might be the area's most exciting player. And when I talk about exciting, I mean somebody who can throw down a dunk and just wake a crowd up. Because we do not have many of those guys right now in the area. It's I, I don't think I saw two dunks the whole first week. You know, I saw like ten games. It's really been a kind of a dull group, and Raekwon Drake is anything but dull. You know, it, he can block shots, he scores in fun ways, and he just wants to throw down. I mean, it's not at Ronnie Fields level, but he has that same mentality where he wants to put on a show like that, and I think that's really necessary and really needed right now in our current high school basketball climate. And uh, I'm interested to hear, Joe, how did he look on on Saturday? He threw down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he he is a big-time athlete. 
in the half court, when Joe's forced them into the half court, he does struggle. He's still projection-wise a man without a position, but it's coming along. You know, he didn't, you know, I know you mentioned he stuck some mid-range jumpers the last time you saw him. He did not do that. He he he's just so active, and, and that's where he flourishes: running the floor, playing up at the rim, finishing with dunks and tip dunks and alley oops and uh, blocking shots. And and you know, he's a sophomore, so he still has plenty of time to add a little bit he's never going to be a super skilled player but he has time to add a little to that package going forward over the next two years uh, but he is he's one of the top five prospects in that class it's just i mean we used to have a kid in every cps conference you know that was going to do that right and right, right now man it's Raquel Drake and maybe negron but <laughs> i don't know it's pretty rough out there for, for just for that type of player you know my, my last my second take was just kind of the experience again of the Simeon Morgan part. I've been so negative about this season and about these seniors and about it all because it is, it's a down year. Even I watched Simeon Morgan park and I thought, okay, these are our two best teams. And I was like, these are not what we've grown accustomed to seeing out of our top teams, not just in the city, but the state. But besides all that, you still, I, I just walked out of there and, and during the during the game, and then I finally walked out just thinking, okay, this this is still really cool. And, and that, if you're in that gym, if you haven't been to a Simeon Morgan Park game or a or a Morgan Park Bogan game, which is coming up in, in, in a city gym, they are just it's a different feel. And, and I got that again on Thursday night, or Friday night with the Simeon Morgan Park game. Just it's so intense. It's a different vibe a different level of intensity and i'm talking from the fans to the coaches barking to uh the players getting at each other talking to the benches talking to fans it's just a completely different type of game than really anywhere else that you'll find and that's what is so enticing about public league basketball at its highest level and despite the negativity i've kind of preached here on this 2015-2016 season, that's what I took away from that night and that game is just the electricity that's still there and that vibe. Yeah, it's you're so right. And it was fun for me Thursday. I left that vibe, which the game wasn't played, but there was still a packed gym. And I went you know, just a couple miles north to Hyde Park and almost the exact same thing was happening packed gym you know people were standing for Kenwood and Hyde Park that is a huge rivalry Kenwood and Hyde Park and students both sets of bleachers probably three quarters of them were students and they were screaming and yelling and it was so great to see the game was intense you know like I talked about it wasn't the best game in the world but the fans were there and I, I tweeted about this just so happy that that conference rivalry thing at Young is gone when teams like that would have played and a bunch of people would have mm-hmm. sat there and observed it just keep this stuff in the gym and it's a real shame that morgan park doesn't get to host their own side of the battle of incense because their gym is so small um anyway my second take is um about another underclassman gonna hear me talk about underclassmen a lot this year probably um depaul's perry cowan is for real i was very impressed with him on saturday I- i'd already seen him once Generally, I like to see a freshman or pretty much any player at least twice before I get too, you know, into it or over it on him. And he just 
wow, he's so poised for a freshman. He can shoot so well. You know, he's a great three-point shooter. He's got a nice mid-range game. He can finish around the basket. You know, he's not like an immediate knock-your-socks-off type guy with his athleticism or anything, but boy, is he just a kind of a, a very mature, you know, basketball player for just a freshman. And he's only 14. Uh, he, I think he scored 16 points. I really think he's, you know, a, a legit high major player someday. And forget the future. He's already a high school basketball star. I mean, I think DePaul needs to start feeding him more, you know, with the percentage he's shooting, you know, they need to look for him a little bit more, even though he is a freshman. He is definitely a one to keep an eye on one to go out and see if you haven't seen him yet. No, he is. He's one of the. He is probably one of the top two or three kids in that in that freshman class, and he his projection does point straight to what you're talking about. Being at the top of that class all four years, and projecting to be in a high major type player because he has a little bit of size. He's not a he's not a wow athlete, but I, you're you're exactly right. He is a talented, talented kid. I saw Khalil Whitney. We should talk. That's the other freshman from Solorio. I wrote a story about him. Only seen him once, so I'm not going to go. And it was it's a, always hard to tell in a a blue game, you know, because the competition's a little bit down. Although Hubbard was pretty good, much better than I would have feared. And he was Whitney was impressive. He can really shoot it. You know, he's a little bit more of an electric athlete than Cowan is. But I'm going to need to see him a couple more times before going totally all in. But he's definitely you know another great freshman. We're going to talk about five teams now that, you know, maybe people aren't talking enough about or they may have popped into your rankings. They they may not. They may be off to a fast start, but just they haven't been talked a whole lot about. We're going to talk about them right now. And, and the first one up north, Lake Forest, which happened to be a team we talked about a ton last year. Now, they lost a boatload. I mean, they lost Evan Boudreaux, obviously the leading scorer in school history and all-stater, and a whole lot of other Noah Karras bunch of players. They did have Lorenzo Edwards back, and Lorenzo Edwards, it's become his team. He's one of the best unsigned seniors. He's putting up big numbers, double-double every night. And, you know, he's a six-foot-six versatile forward, and Lake Forest right now is one of those teams not a whole lot of people are talking about. Yeah, they um, Lake Forest has something that, what, 98% of the teams don't which is a big man that can dominate like that. So that's definitely going to help. You have to love their win over Deerfield. Deerfield was unbeaten. You know, they Deerfield had knocked off some decent teams. Waukegan, you know, at the dog pound. So it's nice to see Lake Forest win that. That got them over 500. There are causes for concern. They lost to Loyola, who really is not playing well at all right now. Um, but the other losses aren't bad. They lost to Bennett and Lake Zurich, which is always – a tough matchup for them. The teams are very much alike. But yeah, just the existence of Lorenzo Edwards makes them a team to watch. And you got to think that the rest of the team is going to get better as the season goes out just because they're starting to get some serious varsity minutes, which most of them did not last year. And they have Justin McMahon at point guard, junior point guard, who, you know, again, you know, a key position. And they'll be in the thick of things in that conference race with Stevenson uh, this season. Uh, next up, let's uh, Crete Moni, a team that. Um, was in the preseason rankings for me, and they fell out because they picked up a couple losses. But I, I think a lot of a couple things have happened since they left the rankings. Uh, we realized how good Farragut is. That that's not a bad loss. It was coming right after their only other loss, which was an overtime loss at Joliet West to Joliet West. So they picked up basically two losses in less than 24 hours to good teams. One of them in overtime. And since then, you know, they've beaten Thornridge for a second time, and we learned that Thornridge is pretty good. They've knocked off some people, and they've got wins over a decent Plainfield North team and a Seton team that's really full of some good prospects. So 
Crete Monet, you know, we knew about Dwayne Rose. You know, we knew about Matthews. I was impressed when I saw them. You know, they definitely passed the look test. They've got a lot of size, and Tom Cappell knows how to get a team ready for March. And they were the favorite, in my mind, going into the Southland Conference, and I think they're even more so now in my mind. You know, Rich Central and them are both at the top of their league right now. But, you know, Crete Monet is, is is going to be a team, I think, also that's going to get better over the course of the year. Uh, the next team, Stag. Uh, Stag with one big win over uh, Mike's Joliet West. I heard the refs uh, cheated. But the uh, Southwest <laughs> Suburban Blue is a league that we've talked all about. Joliet West, Homewood, Flossmoor, Bolingbrook. It's Stag. It's 2-0, and 6-1. And really, I, there were some signs last year pointing towards the success. They're still probably a year away. Stag's going to be really good, Mike, next year. It is a junior-dominated team. Uh, John Contan is a 6'2 guard. Uh, you know, he can play both guard spots. Josh Stram is a 6'4, very versatile kid. He averaged 13 points a game last year as a sophomore. So this junior class, it's got a little height and size in there, too is really got well some of them these guys got experience last year sophomores and now they are a year older and really building towards this year but even more so next year when stag i think could be a potential top 25 team yeah every it seems like every wow boy what do you want to say seven eight ten years stag turns up with a pretty good team um it's not like they're an unknown that never you know has a quality team so i wouldn't be surprised if that was true next year however they're in trouble i think on friday they have to go to the barn to play the steelman and uh, we're going to get some Joliet revenge on them. Both are 2-0. and oh in the, uh, in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joliet Central with a nice start. Uh, Taquan Sims, a key player for Joliet Central that had been had eligibility issues over the last couple of years. He's back. So they're a much different team with him than they are without. Um, next one, a team that joined the Super 25 this week, Oswego. Um, another school that, you know, every once in a while puts together a really good team. I'm Joe. I guess Joe, we should start with you. You got some news on. Well, just I mean, yeah. their best player. We're talking <laughs> them right now. I hope we can keep talking about him. But Malik Ross, their their standout guard. He's at, Mike. He's averaging twenty points. Uh, I think six assists and five <sighs> rebounds a game, and he's a veteran player. Been around a while. He has a wrist injury that's going to keep him out maybe five six weeks. So that's going to really hurt them. Uh, but they've got. They've finally gotten everybody back healthy, and then they lost him. They have one lost, uh, one loss in the season to Quincy. They don't have a really a marquee win yet, but they but, they do have in this season. If you've beaten several teams over five hundred, <laughs> you're getting some credit. Well, that's true. I don't know how many marquee wins teams are going to get yeah. because of of, the, of that. But uh, you know, they have a big man in Bryce Robinson who I like, six seven, really active, runs the floor. Uh, they're very uh, a veteran team. They're the favorite in the Southwest Prairie in a league that is is down this year for sure. The Plainfield schools, all four Plainfield schools are in the bottom four slots in that league right now. And, you know, we've seen Plainfield North, Plainfield East have, you know, been very good in recent years. But so Oswego's the favorite, and they're in that section we talked about last week that is extremely winnable. So if they can get Malik Ross back midseason healthy, uh, Oswego will be in good shape, I think, going down the stretch and into a very winnable sectional where Joliet West and those schools are. Yeah, it's too bad about the injury because you look at, I mean, in what, in five days, the first week of the season, Oswego beat all decent teams, Naperville Central, Foreman, DeKalb, and Naperville North. 
we know now that that's quite a run <laughs> since most of the teams around us Vigo's level cannot string together wins like that and going to Quincy and losing no shame in that at all so hopefully Ross is back and you know I wouldn't be surprised if especially with the way the conference is down and the rest of the area, if they can handle that loss a little bit without Ross and still, right. and still stay in the rankings. Our last team, Leo, has uh, kind of come out of nowhere. I, I mean, Darius Oliver, really talented player, 6'4". He's been highly productive as, as a sophomore and junior. So, I mean, that has there been a coaching change. There's been there, I just didn't know a whole lot about Leo going into this season. No, I heard they had some size. I know someone and, who's seen them. Here they are. So I think they're six and one or six and seven and one. Six and one. The loss is to Hyde Park by nine points, and they got nice a nice win over St. Rita, who you know isn't the finished product, but they they beat them by nine. So a nice start. They beat Providence. The other wins aren't really much to write home about. Some really weak competition, like Little Black Pearl and Douglas. And Ellison. So a wait and see on Leo. But yeah, I have heard they've got some size. You know, they have Oliver. They lost uh, Darius Branch, which was a big loss. Uh, so we'll see about Leo this season. It's a fun gym to go watch games in, that's for sure. So I'd like to show up over there. Um, and I mean, the Catholic League is. You know it's very balanced, so I mean, they're going to take they're going to take some. They're not going to keep rolling like this, but uh, I, I just it's interesting to see Leo even being talked about here in this middle of December when we had no idea what they had going into the season. Definitely, and let's um, take a look at the week ahead. It's um, a lot of good CPS games, as usual. I think the the biggest one is definitely Morgan Park at Bogan. I love games at Bogan. Uh, it's a, you know, I mean, it's a small gym. It's kind of dark. It's hot, steamy. But I, I, I think Bo, this is this is of all the top ten teams. Mike, would you agree? Bogan's the one. I mean, I don't know if you've seen them. No. I haven't seen them. No one's really seen them. They went out to Rock Island. They pounded some teams out there. They've been ranked all year. High expectations. So I think this is kind of their first chance. To make their mark, I heard they dist- the voca- they beat Vocational last week, and it was a sixty to fifty win. So I wrote in my notebook that, that looked good for Vocational. They were you know able to play with Bogan, I believe it was at Bogan. But I talked to someone who was at the game, and I guess it was like thirty to nine or something. I it sounds like near the end Vocational made it look better. So a pounding like that of Vocational says a lot for Bogan, and yeah, that is a tough place to play. It's a tough place to cover a game. It's just a tough <laughs> place to be. So Morgan Park is going to have their hands full for sure in that one another one vocational we just talked about is going to go to Simeon Tuesday um that's going to be you know we need to see Simeon play some more games this year so I'm very interested to see how that game goes vocational will be licking their chops and they've had a nice recipe for slowing things down even more so than Simeon would like the last couple years and making some of those games close you got a little bit of size Jordan Bell who I just wrote about last week is one of the breakout seniors he's averaging like 15 and 7 six 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 seven big guys so he's coming along uh they've got some size they got some athleticism i, I don't know if vocational is at that level but uh you know they are a a quality team for sure last um publicly one to talk about hyde park at curie on thursday big test for curie you know they've been flying high got the nice win over thon makers team but this is gonna be it's at home at least for curie but hyde park taking some lumps recently but they've got some talent they need this win pretty badly hyde park so i'm gonna guess they're gonna be very up for it you know they got it's tuan ag the big boy and curie doesn't really have a big man 
quite able to deal with that kind of size. Yeah, that that we talked about earlier, that league um, is going to be awfully good to watch with Hyde Park, Kenwood, and uh, Curie. So this kind of sets the tone for for both those teams going forward in, the, in that race. Um, suburbs uh, headed up down to Chicago Heights on Friday. Bennett at Marion Catholic. Unbeaten Bennett, who just keeps taking care of business. And it's funny, their resume has gotten better and better as the season has gone on. We've realized that some of these teams they've beat, like Lincoln Park, are better than we thought at the time. Mm-hmm. So look out for Bennett. Marion Catholic... Taking baby steps. You know, I've already seen them way too much. Three times. They've gotten a little better each time. I liked what I saw to TJ Smith on Saturday in a win over St. Rita. Looked like he was starting to just fit in a little bit better. So this is going to be really interesting to see which of these teams can take this early season, you know, key conference matchup. Well, and it's huge, too, because they don't play each other twice in the East Suburban Catholic Conference. So, you know, when you look at that league, Bennett, Notre Dame, and Mary Catholic are the top three, although a lot of people... Uh, have been talking very highly of St. Vider. Uh, but this is a huge game for Bennett or Mary Catholic because they both got Notre Dame still to play. And, and the loser is going to be really in a, a tough spot trying to win that league. A couple other ones we can hit on real quickly. On Wednesday, if you're looking for a game, I like Lake Zurich at Stevenson. I'm going to head over there, get a look at Stevenson for the first time this year. Lake Zurich, we talked about, they beat Lake Forest. Should be an interesting conference matchup. Stevenson needs this win to get back in the Super 25. And one game I'm looking at, Mike, in the Catholic League, De La Salle, another team who has kind of crept up in the rankings. George Wilborn is another really good, uncommitted senior uh, they're playing Fenwick on Friday night. So that's going to be an interesting Catholic League game. Yeah, it's going to prove if De La Salle should really be in the rankings. They've, right. They're going to, it's at home. They've got to kind of keep it close with Fenwick, look respectable. It's, it's kind of hard to see them knocking off Fenwick at this point, but who knows? And the other one Friday night, Hinsdale South at Downers Grove South. Downers Grove South, a team Joe and I heaped love upon. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went down at the hands of Fremd uh, this week. So they need this win over Hinsdale South. And I got to say, this is, this might be as far as rankings go, one of the biggest games of the week, maybe the biggest for me, because if Hinsdale South wins this sky is the limit for them. You know, if they prove they can take on a team like that. And it's a huge game. Donald's Grove South. Besides that, then they, I think they play their rival Donald's Grove North on Saturday night. So huge weekend for Donald's Grove South. I'll probably at one of those games. So, uh, but again, it, it's, it's, we just keep playing it ourselves out here. And, and I, I don't know, I, I just, we do need to see some teams that kind of rise above and, and, and show that they, like you just said, show that they belong in the top 25. I think there's a lot of teams in that top 25 that you're just like, eh. and oh. I know it's a, it, it's a tough road on Sunday for you to put together a top 25 with all the parity. Four hours, Joe. I spent four hours on it yesterday. It was horrible. Uh, before we go, I'm going to throw an unplanned quick question at you. Let, and I think this is very likely. Morgan Park loses at Bogan. Curie loses to Hyde Park. Who's number one? I don't think either one of them happened. But I, I shouldn't say I don't think both of them will happen. So you're not even gonna. I think it's very likely no. that both happen. Um, Especially Morgan Park losing at Bogan. Uh, I believe they're just going, hope it doesn't happen because then they'll keep it under an hour on Sunday. You going with Fenwick because they're unbeaten? If they beat well, yeah, I mean, they number if, one. 
if Fenwick is unbeaten and they come off a win on the road at De La Salle, mighty De La Salle. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll text yeah. you on Sunday. Yeah, it's an absolutely gross thing to think about. But, but anyway. Uh, next, <laughs> next week we're going to break down all of the holiday tournaments in the Chicago area t- of our Chicago area teams and uh, really get heavy into that, previewing what's, what is one of the best weeks of the high school basketball season. But thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.